Welcome to the Hiraith Magazine Podcast. I'm Sarah Bringhurst Familia, coming to you from Amsterdam. Hiraith is a Welsh word meaning nostalgia for a home that no longer exists or never was. On the podcast, we explore the question, what is home? Whether we move for love, work, refuge, or adventure, many of us are trying to make ourselves at home far away from the place where we were born. So join us on this journey as we travel around the world in search of home. Last episode, we were in Saudi Arabia, and this time we'll speak with an American who used to live in Saudi but now makes her home in Egypt. Erica Eastley talks about differences between the two countries, her delightful wanderings through the streets of Cairo, and how the pandemic is affecting the refugees she works with. I am here with Erica Eastley, who has lived an adventurous life in several different countries in Central Asia, the Middle East, and beyond. We have actually never met in person. In fact, I think I first came across her when I stumbled on her fascinating blog, The Golden Road to Samarkand. And she was explaining how she cut the bindings off of all her books and scanned them so she could take their contents with her abroad, which I found equal parts intriguing and horrifying. So welcome to the Hiraith Magazine podcast, Erica. Thank you, Sarah. It's so good to have a chance to see you in person. Same, same. So to start off, why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're from, your family background, and where you lived growing up? So I grew up in the Western U.S. all my life. Um, my family moved to the house that they that my parents still live in when I was a few months old. And yeah, I grew up in that house in Utah. Um, I have, um, I always wanted to go and live in other places. Um, the rest of my family is not that way, but, but yeah, I, I always knew I was going to get out as soon as I could. Um, I liked where I grew up. It was, it was perfectly fine and lovely and I had a great childhood, but it was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, so I first went, I did a study abroad, um, a couple of months after I graduated from high school in Palestine, and and I've been pretty much going ever since then. That is great. So you were basically born with the wander gene. Yes. <laughs> so uh, because of that wander gene, during your adult life, you've lived in so many fascinating places. So can you tell us uh, some highlights of some of your adventures around the world? Uh, so, so yeah, we've lived in, we live in Egypt right now. Um, Kyrgyzstan, we lived there two different times. We've lived in Mexico and Saudi Arabia. And then, um, I was in Palestine twice during college. And, um, it's, there's just been so many, so many neat things about it. I mean, but for, but for just adventures, I mean, just, just little things. I mean, some of it, sometimes, I mean, a lot of my overseas experiences have been with children. I got, I got married, um, right at the end of college. And so I've, and, and then we had children fairly quickly after that. And so, and so I've had children with me for a lot of this. And so, um, sharing those, 
these adventures with my kids has been interesting. I mean, like them going on field trips and slaughtering the sheep that they eat for lunch on the field trip is kind of, yeah, it's, it's a unique experience there. I mean, my kids in Mexico, they were able to go on field trips to the pyramids. And then again, here in Egypt, they go to different pyramids on field trips. Um, we also homeschooled our older two all the way through. And so um, finding... Um, Finding community and social interaction has been very interesting in different places. And, um, and, but mostly it's just been meeting different people and experiencing, learning how to live in different countries. That's, that's my favorite thing, is learning how to build a new life in every different place that we live. So with all of these new lives that you've built in different places, would you say that a particular one of these places really felt like home to you? Um, it's, there's, there's some places that have not, um, Saudi Arabia, um, not. (laughs) And, and Mexico, I always felt like I was a visitor in Mexico. Um, and that's probably at least partly because I did not learn Spanish particularly well. I could understand it, but I could never really speak it. I, I didn't try very hard. I was, I was kind of tired of languages right at that moment, and I didn't want to. I mean, I've, I have several languages, and I did not feel like I needed to add Spanish in there. I love Mexico, but that's not our little corner of the world. Um, but, um, but Kyrgyzstan, Central Asia in general, we, we lived in Kyrgyzstan twice in 2005 and six, and then again in 11 and 12. And then we were able to go back to Uzbekistan um, in 2017. And I, it, walking off that plane in Uzbekistan, it felt so much like we were home. Central Asia just feels really good, and it feels right. But Egypt, here in Egypt, I love Egypt. Um, it's a different kind of home feeling here than in Kyrgyzstan, but or in Central Asia in general. But but I've been able to build my perfect expat life here. And so even though it doesn't feel quite as much like home as Central Asia does, I love my life here. So that is that sounds great, your perfect expat life. So what, what makes it perfect? What are the constituents of your perfect expat life? So here, I love, I love Cairo. I love, so... Um, I mean, so it's a couple of different things. I mean, besides just loving Cairo, I love I love Arabic. That's that's my favorite language that I've learned. I've learned. I mean, I could speak a reason. I mean, I I could speak quite a bit of Russian when I lived in Central Asia, but that language is never. I mean, I do not love Russian, um, and and um, I haven't had as much chance to learn Kyrgyz or Uzbek. I can understand again quite a bit of Kyrgyz and Uzbek. My husband speaks Uzbek quite well, but um, um, but Arabic. I just love Arabic. I love that language. And so, and in particular, Egypt is a great place for speaking Arabic because people, people are very, I mean, I just have so many chances to practice Arabic. And Saudi Arabia, I mean, I think I spoke more Arabic in my first week here in Egypt than I did in two years in Saudi Arabia. Because I just never, I never talked to Arabic speakers in Saudi Arabia. I mean, my life was very isolated from from Saudi life, and that was just that was how the government set it up. There, I had no, there was really no way around that. But here in Egypt, but I also love history, and so, um, and Cairo is full of history. I mean, there's to me, I mean, people talk about Rome as being like one of the most amazing cities, but Cairo's history goes back way longer, and there's so many things. 
and I can just get around this city on my own. I don't, I use, I use Uber. I mean, Uber has been the best thing ever for getting around Cairo. And, but I would be perfectly fine using taxis too. But Uber, Uber makes a few things a little bit easier. But, and, and Uber is cheap here. And so I can get around and go wherever I want to. And so I've been able to do a huge amount of exploring. I just round up some friends and they come with me. But I've also been able to get involved in the um, refugee community here. And so I have friends in the refugee community, but also but also some ways to do some good volunteer projects. And so I feel like I'm able to to be part of a community here. Um, it's still it's still it's a foreign community. I mean, I mean, I don't have a ton of local Egyptian friends, but 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 most of my friends aren't Americans. And and so and they're different kinds of expats. People don't always think of refugees as expats, but but they're and they certainly deal with some very different things, but we're all living outside of our passport countries and so and so there's a lot of connections there. And so and so yeah, between the language and and just the history and the culture here and the friends that I've made, it's just it's fun. And my family is doing well here, which is actually the most important thing. If your kids aren't happy, it kind of ruins a country for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is definitely true. And it does sound like a very, just a very full life that you have. So that is wonderful. So um, a major theme for this season of the podcast is, of course, this terrible pandemic that's happening all over the world. And uh, you're living in Egypt, which is one of the countries in the global south that is kind of a little bit earlier state in the pandemic than Europe, where I live, or the United States, where you're from. And I know that many of your international friends have made the decision to evacuate to other places if they were able. So I'm curious what went into your decision to stay in Egypt rather than going back to the United States. Yeah. And and even I'm not sure that we're that much later in the game. I mean, our numbers are lower, but we have had cases in Egypt since late February. And so, I mean, our our earliest our earliest cases were at the same time as as a lot of countries in Europe. And and people and we had travel people people kept having having things tied back to Egypt that they were that they were getting back home to the United States or Canada or different places or Europe and they were and they were showing up with coronavirus and so and and they were getting tied to Egypt and so and so so coronavirus has been spreading here since for for 2 months and so but it has it it either is spreading more slowly or the government has completely squelched any news about it so thoroughly that that we're not that the hospitals are not overwhelmed. We don't have a whole ton of concern. I mean, again, everybody's concerned, and the cases, the official cases, are increasing. And it, but 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 the hospitals aren't getting overwhelmed, and so and so I don't know where that's going to go. But but um, when this first started happening, it was kind of a crazy week because um, um, we first of all, so so it was early Thursday morning on March twelfth. And and we woke up to the news that like all the sports, I mean, the NBA had canceled their season and they canceled. I mean, all, I mean, to me, the U.S. does not cancel sports stuff unless there's a really, really good reason. And so, yeah, it was when that sports stuff started getting canceling, getting canceled. I thought, oh, they're going to go they're 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 finally taking this seriously. 
And because Egypt had been taking this seriously. I mean, this coronavirus was in the news constantly for since late since late January. That was everybody was talking about coronavirus. I'd go out with um with I have a Korean Canadian friend and a Filipina American friend and I'd go out on the street with them and we just had people covering up their faces as we walked by saying corona 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 as we walked by. I mean it was just I mean and that had been going on for weeks. I mean so so I mean it was definitely being taken seriously here in Egypt. But um but then, yeah, it finally started to be taken seriously in the United States. So we woke up on Thursday morning, but we had a massive rainstorm forecast for that day. And so schools were already closed, and the whole it rained so hard, and the entire city flooded. You could not, you could not, people couldn't get out of their apartments. People were running out of food because they didn't have enough food. And, and finally, on Saturday morning, the city had dried out, and people were able to to start thinking about, okay, what's going to happen? And then the government announced that schools were canceled, uh, universities, everything was canceled. And and uh, my husband works for, a, a, it's a U.S.-based organization, but they have um, employees all over the world. And we knew that they might want to take people out. Um, we that, that, that they just may say, you know what, this isn't worth the risk of having people overseas and we want people to come back to the United States. But we also knew that that would be very difficult for them to do. I mean, as I've watched other organizations trying to evacuate people, it's, it's very difficult to evacuate thousands of people. And so, and we knew we didn't want to evacuate um, because we don't have, not even a global pandemic makes me want to live in the United States again. And and we don't have we don't have a home there. Um, we have our, I mean, we have parents there, but they're older, and we don't want to go live with them because they're all higher risk. Um, we do have siblings, but 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 as I was looking at it, I mean, at first it was looking at it, it was like, well, would we go and show up for two months? And I don't really want to go barge in on my siblings for two months and now it's looking like it could be significantly longer than that and so I'm I'm glad we didn't leave and I didn't want to go stay in an Airbnb for an undetermined amount of time with my one little suitcase so so we knew we didn't want to go we had other friends who they were out of there they were gone as soon as they could get out of there um and then and and so, so we had the option to leave that, yeah, the organization gave us the option to leave. We didn't want to go. But then Egypt announced that it was going to be closing its airport on March 19th. And so you had about three days to get out then. So, we, yeah, we had several friends leave, mostly because of health reasons, though. If, if they were higher risk, Egypt is not the place you want to be in the middle of a pandemic if, if you're higher risk for coronavirus. So, so they got out, which, which, made, which made perfect sense to me. Um, and then over time, more people have gone. A lot of them, though, it's because of um, adult children in the U.S. We do have two sons in the U.S. in college, um, but they were luckily not living in dorms um, because dorms all over the U.S. have been closed, so we were lucky there. They've been able to stay in their apartment. One son, he works at Chipotle, and so he's able to keep working. The other son, um, his job closed down, but they've both been able to line up summer intern virtual summer internships that I'm really crossing my fingers work out I think that they will and and so as long as our boys in the U.S. are okay I feel like we're better off here my husband can work from home our school my son goes to the one of the international schools here and they've actually been amazing and so 
Um, and so he's able to connect. He's, I mean, he's on a call right now doing Spanish and talking to friends in Spanish. And, and so it's, it's way better for, for us to be here. Um, and Egypt has not shut down as much as a lot of places. I was talking to a friend in Kyrgyzstan um, of, uh, a couple of hours ago, and they pretty much cannot leave their apartment at all. Um, here in Egypt, it's just um, almost everything is closed down on the weekends, on Friday and Saturday, and we have a nightly curfew. But during the weekday, it's pretty much normal. I was just at the grocery store. There's tons of people on the street. There was a mob of people waiting outside of some building. Um, it's So again, the fact that cases are not skyrocketing here when it's been here so long and when we are really not social distancing in this country i don't i don't quite i don't quite get what's going on here so but right now things are calm if there's civil unrest that will that will be the biggest thing that we're concerned about but 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 as of right now it things are okay well that is great to hear i'm so glad to hear that things are calm and and that that the pandemic doesn't seem as bad there that is really great especially for a country that maybe would have a difficult time coping if there were a lot of cases. Um, so you mentioned some of what the government is doing or maybe not necessarily doing so much there. So uh, how has daily life for you changed during the pandemic, if it has changed at all? Yeah, no, it's changed a ton, um, a lot. My daily life is completely different. Um, um, work has been cut back more and more every week with my husband. I mean, at first it was, it was oh, you kind of go in every other day, and then it was oh, a couple of times a week, and then, and then he's pretty much not going into work at all. They've just said nobody goes into work. We'll figure this out. Um, um, and 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 so having my husband home all the time has been. I mean. I mean, you, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, you love your people, but but you don't really have to be around them all the time, do you? But in this case, we do. And and my son does fine as long as he has school going on. He gets really bored on the days with no school. But but like I said, the distance learning has been going well. He signs on for his, for his classes every. I mean, all of his classes are going on, and um, and so and but for me, I never stayed home. Um, I was I was gone and out and visiting friends and seeing things in Cairo and taking Arabic classes and out on the street and just all over the place. And so for me to be staying home all the time has been really different. I, though, am a homebody. I like to be at home. Um, uh, here in Cairo, that hasn't come out as much just because I also really love Cairo and I just I know I have a short amount of time here. But it's also partly in Saudi, Saudi Arabia where we lived before, um, I was always home because it was almost impossible for me to get out and do anything. And so, um, because we lived in Saudi before the driving ban had lifted. And, and so, and so after, even though I love to be at home, I like to choose to be at home. And so, um, Saudi Arabia did not work for me, even though I, I do like to be at home. And so, and so here in Cairo, I love that I can choose exactly how I want to do things. And so, um, so... So, yeah, so I don't get out and explore Cairo. They've closed all of the historic sites and all the mosques. I wouldn't be going out anyways. I have been able to see some of my refugee friends pretty often. We have, um, a friend and I have been helping them set up a sewing business. And so when, when there's been a mask shortage here, they started selling masks. And so, um, so for about a 10-day period, 
they learned how to make masks and sewed nearly 1,100, which was a crazy huge number. Yeah, yeah. And then we found out that the government is getting testy about people selling masks who are unlicensed, sewing them and selling them. And so we decided that maybe we'll just stop doing that. And so, But they were able to make a ton of money to help them get through coronavirus because they have all lost their jobs. I mean, almost all of them lost their jobs immediately upon... Um, um, when the schools shut down, a lot of them worked for the schools, and and then some of them worked at the like the um, expat entertainment kinds of places, and so those shut down early on, and they lost their jobs there, and so and so yeah, we've had so yeah, they all had a lot of um, of, of, of of job shortage, but these masks. They were able to sell them to the expat market where people will pay a crazy huge amount of money for masks and and they made they made a ton of money, which was super helpful so but that that has that has wrapped up um, we just had we had two big holidays on Sunday and Monday here and so and so we're kind of getting back to well we're not really getting back to normal because Ramadan starts in a couple of days and so and so yeah there's just it's just yeah it's there's just been a lot going on but but yeah I'm home most of the time and it's just it's weird. But, but I'm liking it because I do like to be home. Well, that is good and wonderful to hear about the sewing project and being able to help in that way. Um, so you mentioned, I assume the holiday that you mentioned is probably Easter, the holiday that just passed? Yeah, Coptic Easter. So you've written in your blog before about how nice it is to be able to celebrate holidays along with the people in countries where you live. Uh, so can you tell me how that might have been different this year or how you expect Ramadan might be different under a pandemic? Yeah, no, I've thought about this a ton. Yeah, so Easter, Easter, yeah. Um, I really I really like seeing how, yeah, how different holidays are celebrated in different countries. I, I love that. And so, so last year during Coptic Holy Week and Coptic Easter, I was out in churches and just seeing what was going on. And, um, and so this year, though, I realized that since nobody all around the world is going to church, um, um, I was able to find Orthodox um, services that were being streamed online. And, um, and so I was watching services. I mean, I remember going to Orthodox services when I was living in Jerusalem. And so, and so it's over 20 years later, and I was watching those again, and that was, and that was, I really, I really liked that, and I was able to find Ethiopian services, which I, I just loved, I loved listening to those, um, and I was able to watch services from churches here in Cairo, and so, and so even though I wasn't able to do the Holy Week stuff that I like to do, I was able to do something different that I really enjoyed, and so I wouldn't intentionally choose to do it that way again, but if I'm ever, again, stuck at home or like living in Saudi Arabia or a place like that again, I know that I've got, I've got a backup. I've got a backup for that. But then it was Shemel Nassim on Monday. That's a big, that's a major Egyptian holiday. It's super ancient. I mean, celebrated, I mean, since pharaonic times. Um, and what you do for that day is you go on a picnic and everybody goes on a picnic and they shut down everything so nobody could go on a picnic because they just didn't want people congregating because, yeah, that would have been a great way to spread coronavirus. And so they shut everything down. But we were able to go out um, to Giza and the Sphinx, and we got some photos out there. I had my husband hold up a face mask over the Sphinx. People always take really silly photos with the Sphinx, and so and, 
and I roll my eyes at those, but I wanted one, a coronavirus version, and so we have one of the Sphinx with a face mask on, so that was my silly Egypt photo. But And then we went to a couple of other pyramids. There's tons of ruined pyramids here, and so last year when we'd gone out, we found people out in the desert picnicking, and so I just kind of wanted to go back out there again. But But Ramadan, I honestly don't know how Ramadan will work with a nightly curfew, because Ramadan is a night holiday. All month long, the nights are lit up and there's people out and it's just it's just so much fun. And and I I honestly don't know how it will work. I mean, here in Egypt, um the Maghrib prayer, the the sunset prayer will be at around 6:30 to 6:45 and the curfew starts at 8. Um, they'll be announcing the next day or two exactly what's going to happen. I don't I don't know if they'll change the curfew time. But um but yeah, that'll give people time to eat and then maybe get home, maybe. But but they also want people to stay home and eat. So during Ramadan, what I really like to do is go down to Al Hussein Mosque. And there's a fatir place there, which is an Egyptian flatbread filled with cheese or vegetables or different things. And eat fatir with everybody right at sunset and then just be down on the street. There's Everything's lit up. The mosques are lit up. There's people all over. They're selling all kinds of great street food. And yeah, and so I love that. Um, yeah, we obviously are, shouldn't do that this year, but but we would go home then at the night prayer, but everybody else would stay out way later. And and so yeah, I honestly I don't know how how Ramadan will work. And then obviously with the mosques closed, I mean they changed the call to prayer here um, a little over a month ago now, and instead of saying um, come to prayer, it says pray in your homes which was, it's so weird to hear the call to prayer different. I mean, the call to prayer does not change. And, but I guess it does during a pandemic. So, um, and so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how Ramadan works. I'm, they're still stringing up all of the lights and the lanterns and we'll go out, um, we'll go out before curfew, but after sunset and see, just, just to see everything lit up and, and yeah, I'm I'm just curious. I'm curious if people will be super frustrated with it. I mean, I think most people get I mean, get that this is serious, but I don't know. An entire month of Ramadan and plus Eid al-Fitr, I don't I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. So, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to kind of start wrapping things up here, but I did want to ask you, what are your biggest worries and also hopes as we kind of settle in for the long term of how coronavirus will change things where you're living? Okay, so, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, my biggest worries here in Egypt are unquestionably, um, food shortages, um, or just general civil unrest. Um, the government, I really do feel like the government is working hard to try to keep things under control. I mean, CC knows that the worst thing for him is is an uprising. I mean, I mean, he, he knows that. And so he's going to do whatever he can to avoid that from happening, which is partly why I think they have not closed down the businesses and have not closed down as much as other countries in the region. Most other countries in the region have had all-day curfews, at least at times, and... And things are far more shut down. Um, Egypt has been more open than just about anybody else in the region. And, yeah, and I think that's just because CC is nervous about that. And so, um, but, yeah, but if, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, or, I mean, 
if, I mean, they're forecasting, I mean, two weeks ago they were forecasting that there would be 10,000 cases in Egypt within three weeks. Um, unless cases really skyrocket, we're at about 3,500 right now. Um, we were at 1,000 two weeks ago. And so, um, um, again, we could sometime hit that, hit that curve and, and get into exponential growth. But when it's been two months, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get to that 10,000 number or not. But whenever, we, whenever the government does decide, okay, we've peaked and now it's tapering off and we can open back up, I don't know what's going to happen then or if we'll get a second wave or if it really is spreading more slowly here because we have s our, the population here is so much younger um, that, that, that it seems, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know, but, but, but I also, I don't know, I mean, unless this gets a whole lot worse, I would think that Egypt will um, recover, that this will not have as big, effect, as big an effect on Egypt as it will on um, countries in Europe, but particularly on the United States. I think that, um, I just, I just can't see how this will not really change a lot of stuff in the United States. But, um, but yeah, and, and so, so yeah, but it's really, it's just, it's just really making sure people in Egypt have enough to eat for the next few months. That's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest worry. And if that doesn't happen, there will be civil unrest. And so, and so, yeah, if the government can just focus on that most basic need, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get through this, but who knows? <laughs> Yeah, well, I here I am sending you my fervent hopes that everything will remain calm. And thank you so much for being with us. And I hope that your family, both near and far, stay safe and also healthy. Thank you, Sarah. It was really fun to talk to you. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And if you have a story you'd like to share, Visit us on the web at hiraithmagazine.com. That's H-I-R-A-E-T-H magazine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or SoundCloud. The podcast is available to download on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you like the Hiraith podcast, you can help by sharing it with your friends. And if your podcast platform allows, leaving us a rating. This episode featured music by Maidan and was recorded and produced by me, Sarah Bringhurst Familia, on the canals of Amsterdam.